0: Good morning. Today we're going to start a brand new series of talk with Jesus, looking at different gospel accounts over the next four weeks. And uh, man, I'm just so thrilled to be back proclaiming God's word. Thank you for letting us do the one prayer series. It's going to literally make disciples of Jesus all over the world. It's been neat to be a part of the greater church of 2,000 churches. And man, it was just great having that break. But man, I've missed, uh, even though I've been in and out so much, about 98% through the book, but I've just missed you. And uh, so today, I ate lots of sugar yesterday so I could be fired up and have extra buzz. I've spent a lot of time on my knees, and we're going to launch into a series. that, uh, Man, I'm just so excited today. I think I think you'll see why. The last crowd, there weren't many of them here, and they said, wow, that just touched our hearts. I want you to open your Bibles to the fourth chapter of Matthew if you have a copy of the Scriptures. If not, I still want you uh, to stand. So let's all stand together in honor of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, and His Holy Word. And we'll look at the fourth chapter of Matthew And starting in verse 18, listen to God's word. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James son of Zebedee and his brother John, and they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Before you get seated, this is God's word for us. It's that simple invitation for those to come after him. And we're going to break this down with some cultural understanding that you've probably never had. And I just hope that God will speak truth to us, and we will follow him. Let's be seated together. Hey, this morning, it's interesting. I challenge the last crowd. Is Nobody ever names their son Zebedee. Why is that? What's your kid's name? Zeb. And I think I did meet a Zeb one time. I don't know if his name was Zebedee. But anyway, I'm just throwing it out to any mom's perspective to be that one day you might name your son Zebedee. I don't think I'm going to have any takers. But I love, don't you, I just like to say it, Zebedee. I mean, how many Z words do you know? Zorro? Zoo? No, anyway, here we go. I told you I was fired up. This morning, I want you to know that Jesus, the very first blank here, he lived in a day of rabbis and disciples. That was the understanding, that was the context of scripture. And these rabbis were very elevated. They were prominent in the community. They, uh, it was an esteemed position to get to. And they had the local synagogues and they had the temples and the markets and people would go down and they would follow them and they would listen to them expound on the Torah. And uh, it was a powerful thing. In the scripture the word rabbi is used some 14 times. The word teacher referring to Jesus is used 40 times. So this rabbi, rabboni, is a very common term and sometimes as you study scripture. I will set it up this way, but it was a very hard thing to become a, a rabbi. You didn't just go, hey, I declare, I uh, go on the mail order internet and I'm now a rabbi. Call me rabbi. No, it wasn't that easy. Now, here's how I can break it down. Our associate, Randy, good friend, it serves us well. He comes out of the Southern Baptist tradition. and I understand their ordination. They ordained and licensed uh, young men early on and basically they uh, see uh, a call and anointing on a man and they affirm that person and as they affirm them uh, then they have ordination they call and they basically decide it with a vote that that's the big thing in in baptist world you vote how many of you have come out of the baptist world hello and you understand that voting i come out of the united methodist tradition it's very very different to be ordained in the united methodist church you have to get a letter from jesus from the apostle paul you have to go to school. You have to go to committees. You have to pass psychological evaluations, multiple ones. How I did that, I don't know. And uh, so you do all those things, and you get credentialed finally. It takes years and years to do it. We start the community church. And I'm like, man, forget all these profiles and this and that. And I'm not slamming my background. I love that. There was a place for that. Study is a very good thing. But this rabbi thing, you have to understand, I'm saying this for a reason. In this culture, it was very hard to be a rabbi. I mean, you had to work. You were arduous. At the task of becoming one. And boys would go to rabbi school from the ages of 6 to 10. They attended rabbi. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's a very big deal. So Jesus is known in some places as rabbi, as rabboni, his teacher, his lord, his savior, his friend. Whatever you want to call him this morning. But the Jews loved God's word. They were crazy about God's word. They, they wanted to have it stuffed into them. It was their identity. They would all learn the, the first five books of scripture known as the Torah. And it was so uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They learned it, they knew it, they memorized all five books. Whoa. I mean, they were serious about being students. And in this role, the uh, rabbi over in the local synagogue. He would teach, and he would lead, and he would model. And he was so filled with Torah that he wanted other people to be filled with it. And I read about one rabbi, and he basically says that my goal is that everybody would want to live so much in the Scripture and know God's Word so much that one day I would not have a job. I would be replaced. They would all be uh, students. They, They would know the Word of God. Man, we've departed from that in 2009. So they understood the word. The rabbis could debate the word. They could declare the word. They, they knew it backwards and forward. And when you think about memorizing the entire five books by the age of 10, that's pretty impressive. After last service, I had several say, I don't know something. I could do it. Well, we might be surprised. But they would, they would stuff it. Like, I can identify the word stuff. Did anybody eat any extra food yesterday, an extra rib, extra chicken, extra hamburger or something? Okay, here's the deal. When I showed one prayer, I've messed up what I've been building for 13 years. It's called response. And when you watch somebody on video, matter of fact, I'm thinking about next year maybe doing a teaching and sending it national because I'm going to mess people up when I'm teaching. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to stop and ask questions. You know what I'm saying? But y'all have been watching Francis Chan and Mark Batterson and all those great guys and they don't ask questions to you and we just go. So look at me and respond with me. You know what I'm saying? So would that mess any of you up? Okay. Some of you are like, yeah, I could memorize that. I couldn't memorize that. It would be a very difficult thing. I don't know what to do. Well, let's look at the three stages of being a rabbi. Get ready to write. Number one, it's the house of book. That's what goes in a blank, house of book. It was the best so far. They would cram the book. They would cram the word. They would cram the five books of Scripture into the life. And they wanted to be so associated with holy writ, with holy Scripture, And it was pleasant unto their soul. And they were big on it. So I I found this out. It was interesting. In some of the temples, they would have slates if they had that money to do that. And they would wipe the slates down with honey. And then you would go over and you would uh, begin to lick and and take off that. Or or another, they would take the pages of the Old Testament. And when they would do that, they they would get it and they would put honey on every page. And as you turned the page, what did you do with your finger? You licked it. So now you know, because I've read this verse for years and I love it, but now it makes all new meaning. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what I'm saying? So they would. And here, here's what happened. These little 6 to 10-year-old kids, they got sugar buzzes in the temple. We, we don't do things a lot different except we don't memorize the first five books or the books of Scripture. I wish we did that. But we feed your kids sugar on the front hall. And it gives them little buzzes and they run around. Can you imagine kids in Palestine, in this part of the world, in this day, honey was a luxury. It was a delicacy to them. and So they never had it. So when they would go to temple, you could not wait to go get Torah because as you did, you you would lick every time you did that. Can you imagine today if we took your favorite sugar and put it on every page, how much you would read Holy Scripture? And when I said turn to Malachi, you would go, oh, I cannot wait. I can't find it. And you would lick other pages. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That deserves a big amen. Yeah, it sounds good. We haven't heard those in this house for a while. Okay, so the Torah, they they would get after it. This house of book, they they were pouring. It was pleasure to be in there. They would memorize this text. They knew it backwards and forwards. And why follow him? Because he was alive. Because this word was alive. In this first century Palestine kid. He wanted to know the layer of meaning behind Scripture. And he would begin to dig. And at least at this level, they did the best they could. And then it says, as it is written. You know, when you read that in Scripture, as it is written, has totally different context to a Jewish kid. Because they've studied the text like we don't today. As it is written, for you have said. They knew what he said because they read the book. Here's a joke. I'll go ahead and set it up and you probably still won't get it. They didn't have Gideon's yet. Gideon's had not made it there yet. Okay. You ever been to a hotel? And there's always a Gideon Bible on the shelf? Uh Uh-huh. The Gideons weren't there to give them the word. Okay, let's move on. One very funny. Didn't go over last service either. I thought y'all were the sharper crowd. Okay, here we go. Number two. The house of learning. So you have house of book. Now you have house of learning. And it's house of learning, Beth Talmud. And as you look at this, it's like they would go to this, but you had the first level was ages 6 to 10. And all the boys would go off. To, to learn about the Scripture, about Torah. But in the 6 uh, to 10, but after 10, it began to kind of dumb down. They began to kind of pull it down, and everybody didn't go. This was reserved for the best of the best. These were the more brighter students. Let me tell you what they did. They memorized the Scripture, but they didn't stop with the first five books. They went all the way through Malachi, the Italian prophet. Ugh. they memorized the whole thing. They were sharp. They were skilled. They had this brighter learning. So a lot of people never made it on past the 10-year mark. You know, four years of teaching, and then it began to break. But it was a very uh, intentional effort for them. And in this level, you could ask a series of questions, and they could give answers. Like in Western world, this is what we're taught. We get material given to us, and our goal, or many times the goal is to regurgitate it, to repeat it back that which you've taught. But you haven't really learned You can take tests, you can write papers, you can do exams, but have you learned it? Or are you one? Are you one with the text? I'll set it up this way. Two plus two equals? Very good. It's not a trick question. But a little Jewish boy would think two plus two is four. But 16 divided by four is four. Y'all act like it's a trick. It's not. Or what is 25% of 16? Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't have a calculator. See, I don't get that, you know, because I like numbers and you just run through but like, they See, they, they knew the text this way and that way. They were the sharper student, the disciple. And so they, got, they, they, could, uh, they could take this, they could process the Scripture in the questioning and answering. And then there's the next one. It's called the house of study. Bet-mer-ash. And in this one, they were 14 or 15 years of age, and they would go in. And this was for the best of the best of the best. I mean, they were so sharp. And there's a word in the Hebrew, you're the Talmudin. Talmudin, that means you're a disciple, you're an apprentice. And the rabbis did not choose Talmudins. They would learn, and they would go through school, and then they would come up, and then they would request that, I want you to be my rabbi. And they would seek out somebody that they would teach them, they would be their mentor, and they would be their Talmudin. And, and, and they would follow them, and they would study. And, and if you want to know more about this, you can look at Rob Bell, Ray Vanderlyn, uh, Perry Stone, all these great writers today that write about Jewish history. It's very fascinating. But, can, but the, the, the rabbi was like, he wanted to know, can they talk like me? Can they act like me? Can they do things like me? Are, are they becoming one with me? Because I'm trying to be like Jehovah. So they would follow him. They would follow him hard. And after the testing time, they would say, come follow me. Because I am like God. So to be accepted by the rabbi would be like being accepted to Yale or to Harvard. It, it would be huge. Man, I am accepted by the rabbi. The, the rabbi believes in me. It's like if the rabbi would chew on a, chew on a blade of grass, then the Talmudine, the disciple, would chew on a blade of grass. And then have some... Theological thought. I mean, it was just an amazing thing. Act like he did. Live the way he did. Treat people the way he did. To be one with their rabbi was important. To interpret the scripture, Jesus said there one where in one place in scripture he goes, "My yoke is easy," and and they would yoke. They would become one in the union. They would be this disciple with them. So, what I love about cultural Jewish history is they they took advantage of every moment to learn. Every, every single moment, they wanted to learn the Torah. They wanted to run, learn the Holy Scriptures. They had, a, they had a hunger. Write this down. They had a hunger for God. They had a hunger for God's presence. And I'm wondering how far we have departed from that today. How much do we long for His presence? How much do we, do we hunger for God's Word that we can be a Talmudin, that we can be His disciple, that we can follow after Him So they they knew it well, and he he followed the teachings of the rabbi. So let's go back to our text that we started with, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. So Jesus calls them here, but in verse 19, I love this passage. I want you to write down. This is like the key text today. Come, follow me. Three words. Come, follow me. That's what the rabbi says today, Jesus. It's what the rabbi said in that day. Come, follow me. Now, I want you to realize something. In, In the Scripture... It says there, and uh, it says, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were, they were what? Fishermen. What do fishermen do? Fish. Very good. Okay. You know why they were fishermen? Because they weren't the best of the best. Because they weren't, they couldn't make the cut. It's because after the age of 10, they were like rabbi flunkies. They dropped out of rabbi school. And they went back. didn't mean they were bad. didn't mean they weren't good. It's just the rabbi didn't believe in them. At that point, Said, so "Like you've kind of reached the, the top of your lid. You're kind of like, that's, that's the potential you have. And hey, that's awesome. And you've learned the Torah, but you're, you're going back home. So he, he goes back to fishing. He goes back to that which uh, his father teaches him. He, he's an apprentice. He fishes. He's a carpenter. He, he does something that his dad did. And this morning, we're students of Rabboni, of the Lord Jesus. He is rabbi. We dedicate ourselves as Christ followers to being like Jesus Christ and following after him. And in, I think, the book of Acts, it says they were unschooled fishermen. Does that not open up a whole new world to you this morning? When you read in the scripture now, you're like, oh, they didn't make it in rabbi school. They flunked out. It's okay. They're great guys because you're going to see the case that Jesus builds. In this next little section, I've looked at four gospels, and I want us to look on the screen of Matthew. They provide examples of individuals who followed Jesus Christ. Here's the first one. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. They followed after Christ. Uh, The next passage there is uh, over in Mark, the 10th, 52, 1052. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received a sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. They were following Jesus, the crowds, the multitudes, the individuals. The next one, Matthew nine twenty seven, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Following. What do disciples do? They follow. And the last one is Matthew 8, 23. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. You can just go through your Bible sometimes and mark up when people got the call and they followed Jesus. Today, Jesus invites you and I to follow and to follow hard. Um, it's, it's a powerful concept here. The, the rabbi doesn't recruit. They follow him. It's like Fre- Frederick Butner said in one of his writings. It's like, you, you know, this this Rabboni, he is the one. He, he is Jesus. It's like when he touches you, you sell the C&I dog. You don't need it anymore. You get rid of your aluminum walker because now you walk. It's like when he says, you know the other rabbis that said you're rejected. You, 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 and you. And Jesus says, "Come, follow me." Wow, man, that is, that is just kingdom truth. Jesus invites you and I this morning to follow Him. Keep that in mind. Jesus says it this way: "I believe in you." Isn't it awesome? Christ believes in everybody that hears my voice today or listens on the internet. Jesus Christ believes in you, and He He bids these simple words: "Come." I remember when I heard this 31 years ago, and Jesus Christ told me to follow him on my college campus, and I did, and I was forever changed. In 1996, I'll fast forward to that year. Don and I were enjoying a very fruitful, fantastic ministry and family, and things were happening, and life was good, and we were making disciples, and, man, I just thought, man, it doesn't get any better than this. I was on airplanes. People were paying me to come and talk, and, man, it was just, it was just fun. Life was good, and Jesus had put a burden in my heart for a church. And I remember I was in Mexico, Chihuahua, Mexico. matter of fact, Lindsay, you're here today. It's so interesting that you're here. Lindsay was there. And I remember talking to you, hey, y'all, man, Jesus is doing something. I didn't tell him exactly what was going on because I didn't want to freak him out because I was freaking out enough. But all I know is I remember Jesus was saying, drop your net, come follow me. And I did. And today you sit in the reality of following Jesus Christ. It's called Christ Community Church. And all I'm saying for you. Jesus bids you to maybe leave your vocation, maybe not, but to do this, to give up that, whatever has hold of you. He says, leave that behind and follow me. Isn't it awesome that today Jesus still calls, he still bids, he still issues invitations. And and some people are listening and some people are following and some people are like, well, I just can't let go of this or I I can't do that. And they'll never know what Christ has for them because, but Christ says, I believe in you. You see, we, we forget this. 2,000 years ago, the rabbis would invite people, or they they would be there and want to be their disciple, their talmudine, and they would go for it. But can you imagine Zebedee? Zebedee was down here fishing with his boys, okay? They got a little industry. That's how they provide. Jesus, the rabbi, shows up. He tells the brothers, Hey, I want you to come follow me. And the Bible says immediately they put down their nets and they follow Jesus. They're going with Jesus. Zebedee, the poor boy, his business got messed up. Zebedee is a dad. His industry just went down. But wait, 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 wait. Don't feel sorry for Zebedee. His boys that had flunked out of rabbi school. Now the rabbi of rabbis, Jesus said, come follow me. Is that cool or what? So Zebedee knew, man, this one that touches the blind and they see. He touches the mute and they speak. The deaf and they hear. Sometimes I even hear he goes over to mother-in-law's houses and he gets rid of fevers. I even hear he raises some dead. Wow, he is the one. They follow him. Can you read Holy Scripture the same now after knowing that? I can't. I'm like, Wow. Kingdom, that power that lives in me, lives in me, that's the one in Jesus. Wow, God, thank you. Jesus says, I believe in you. Just trying to get you to see this truth today. And some people see it, and some are like, well, I don't know, but Christ believes in me. He does. He believes in you completely. I'll tell you this story. I love baseball. I always have. There's a man I was reading about. His name's Ned Coletti. Ned Coletti is a recruiter vice president for the San Francisco Giants. I've always had this admiration of Giants because... When I was coming up, there was a, or years ago, I was actually grown, but there was a guy, and he played for the uh, uh, San Francisco Giants. He was a pitcher. His name was Dave Dravecki. I had the privilege of inviting Dave Dravecki to our city, and we had a crusade at Alabama State years ago, and he'd already had cancer, and he had, had his arm amputated. love this guy, so I've always liked the Giants, okay? Well, Ned Coletti is a recruiter. Where do... Major league recruiters, where do they recruit a lot of people besides college? A lot of them go down to the DR, the Dominican Republic, and they recruit ballplayers, young men that have exceptional talents. The story goes that Ned went down there to recruit a ballplayer. He'd heard about this kid that had exceptional tools. And he went up to him, began to talk to him, And you see, what you don't understand about the Dominican Republic, so many of them do not have an Abba. They don't have a Papa. Nobody believes in them. Nobody affirms them. And Ned took interest in this young man because he saw something in him, and he'd heard the scouting reports. And they began to talk, and at the end of the two days, he got ready to leave, and this young man walked over to him and had tears in his eyes, and they didn't have an interpreter there. And somehow Ned was able to commit to him or or got it. Hey, I believe in you. I'll be back and more than baseball. I'll come back again and again. Well, this young man knew it was huge. Let me tell you why it was so huge. In the Dominican Republic, many young men die early because of poverty, poverty and starvation and disease and all these things. So there's not a lot of hope. You don't get rescued. So for a big American vice president of the major league organization comes down and says, I believe in you, that's huge. Now, let me set it this way. Ned comes to your town, to the Dominican Republic, and he invites you to come follow him. Do you say this as a kid? No, Mr. Coletti. I would not like to go with you. I would like to stay here in poverty and die young. What do you do? You drop it so fast. Boom! Let me sign a big multi-million dollar contract. You're gone. Jesus Christ, today the King of kings and Lord of lords. He invites you and I to drop what we're doing and follow him. Does that have kingdom implications today, church? Does it? huge. Man, I I mean, it's off the chart. I can't even, with the letters of the alphabet in my life, I, I can't even articulate that which I feel in my gut and my soul is like, Jesus is here. He's right here right now looking across the living room. And he knows everybody that would show up on July the 5th to worship. He knew you were coming. He, I'll tell you a secret, God knows today the people that made excuses and didn't come this morning. And he's going to punish them. No, 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 But he knows. Let me tell you, I'm a pastor. I've been in the church over 31 years following Jesus, and I love church, and I'm here all the time, and I love it. But I'm going to tell you, if I ever wanted to miss a Sunday, today is one of those Sundays, and I've not missed this Sunday in terms for this, well, the reason I'm going to tell you. There is this game, I love it, I've been watching it for years, it's called Wimbledon. Yeah, you just shook your head. This morning, I would, see, they always had the women's Wimbledon on Saturday morning. I watched it yesterday as I hit my elliptical. Today, I'll have to hear about it later and hear all the great replay, whether Roderick Came through or choked. But, but the bottom line is, but it's a big deal. And Jesus just goes, I believe in you. Does that encourage anybody but me? Christ believes in you today. And he's looking out. And so, you know, people, you, you made a decision to come. And Christ is just trying to encourage you. And he's trying to tell you that he, that he has something for you. And he values you. And he validates you. And he wants to empower you with his Holy Spirit. You're like, Lord, I'm going to follow you. So when you say drop the net, I'm going to follow but, you know, some people are like, well, you know, follow me, follow him. I don't know. What would it cost in following Jesus? Write down point A, carrying one's cross. Pick up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow after Jesus. It means just dropping where you're at. It means uh, counting the cost. It means surrendering to the call. It means the passage that I've, mem- I've meditated on, memorized many years ago. I, I meditate on it all the time. I'm crucified with Christ. It's not I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ, but yet I live. Count the cost of following Jesus. It's always difficult, but man, it's so worth it. And all the church said, amen. Secondly, leave security behind. If you follow Jesus, it means that which you have got your hands pried to and won't come unpried, Jesus might be calling you from that very thing. It could be a relationship. Could be a possession. Could be a sin. I don't know what it is. It's different for all of us. But I still love the words of Jesus Rabbi, Rabboni, come, follow me. Giving up what you hold on to, which you treasure is most valuable, and clinging to that which is the most important. So this morning, as we look at a simple story in the fourth chapter, the calling of the first disciples. I just invite you to circle verse 19 where in these words, come, follow me. Those are the most precious words that I have ever heard and that you'll ever hear, friend. Because Jesus says, if you come follow me, I, Jesus being I, I will make you fishers of men. Not fishers of the sea, fishers of men. You can fish for souls all the days of your life, and you can be in divine partnership with God, and God can use your life. God, thank you for that kingdom truth. So I think it is this way. God calls us just the way we are. It's like will you look Jesus in the eye this morning and just say, Jesus, I'm in. Torah, Scripture, I'm going to love Scripture. I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to embrace you, Lord Jesus. And I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. And yes, Lord, if you'll allow me, I'm going to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to invite others to follow you with me. Wow. That is the reality of the gospel. Adam is going to do a really great song that we love from the piano. I love when he comes to the piano. The song is Come Just As You Are come just as you are this morning and follow Jesus. Um, You've been wandering around. You've lost your way. You're lost. You're a wanderer. Man, you don't have to stay there. Because see, the rabbis that didn't think you had what it takes, Jesus, the supreme rabbi, he says, I believe you got what it takes, boy. Girl, you got it. Follow me. Can you just put your hands together and thank Jesus that he thinks you got it, that he wants you to follow him? he does and some are gonna go man the messiah the king in the greek is a marvelous word i remember the first time when i learned it the greek word it says jesus is lord and there's a word they use there it's called Kyrios, and Kyrios means master jesus is master of all christ wants to be master of your life and mine this morning and in being master, he wants you to follow after him. And um, and the rabbi just says, "You got it. You got what it takes. Hey, I believe in you. I affirm you. I celebrate you. But you have a response. You have to drop your net and follow Christ." Uh, so the wonder of this invitation is, will I follow Jesus, or will I stay where I am? I've said it. I've heard. I've read it a million times. Jesus loves you and I too much to leave us where we are That he might call us to where we can be where he is Jeremiah we celebrate you this morning as you follow jesus christ to ethiopia and throughout your life I celebrate every one of you that followed jesus And if you're not following him, I pray that today you'll go. I want to be more like christ Because jesus has confidence in you right now. There's uh, There's going to be some counselors Elders or somebody over here on on the side And you can just go over there. Matter of fact, do we not have this side over here covered? I can't see anybody. Hopefully there will be. There will be somebody if you show up. Can can I just tell us, we've just got just a few minutes. Y'all, this message is transformational. This message will change your life if you take it to heart. Because the rabbi, King Jesus says, come, follow me. And I will make you a fisher of men. So right now, this front altar is open. Some of you need to come. Many came last service. The sides are open. Maybe you need to surrender and give your heart to Jesus Christ and be redeemed, be saved. They will pray for you. They will lead you through a sinner's prayer. But right now, don't leave the building. Just focus in on the rabbi. He is worthy to worship. And be his Talmudine. Be his disciple. Jesus, I pray that the spirit of discipleship would fall in this place right now. And that we would be captivated by the life of Jesus. And we would follow you. Please don't look, but move in response to the calling of God on your life right now. Adam, sing that song, Come As You Are.
1: Come just as you are. Hear the Spirit. Just as you are, come and see, come receive, come and live forever. Come just as you are. Here. Spirit call. come just as you are, come and see, come receive, come and live forever. Come just as you are. Come and see, come receive, come and live forever.
0: that is the invitation of Jesus simply to come as you are broken and contrite out of fellowship in fellowship and follow him those are simple words but they have life changing implications that literally change your home and your community and your world so that's the call of Jesus be a Talmudine, follow Jesus. Next week, we're going to jump into part two. I hope you'll invite some people to be here with you. Tonight, uh, we're going to have, uh, uh, not tonight, Wednesday night. Don't come tonight. <laughs> Wednesday night, we are family in 6 to 8. Man, This will be awesome, man. be out tell people in the neighborhood? We're in Journey Magazine. We've got uh, banners out front. Uh, go online, read about it. I don't know, just tell somebody. Bring people. Rochelle is working really hard. And, man, let's just blow it away for Jesus. Amen? And you think about it, little little Jewish boys. I mean, Nathan, I, I wanted to call you all week, and I just didn't do it. I should have, because you know so much about this. Uh, can you imagine us having this church that all of a sudden hundreds of little boys show up saying, teach me this scripture, teach me this scripture, you know? I mean, I would love buzzes on the front hall because of sugar, because everybody was eating God's word. So I pray you just get hungry for God's presence. So that is today. We'll see you soon, Wednesday night, if you can make it, if not, next Sunday morning. Hey, have a great fourth weekend.